Hello, listeners. This is Janine and Kristen from Henrico Casa. You are listening to our podcast, Vigilant Voices. Hello, listeners. You are listening to Vigilant Voices podcast. And we're so glad to have you on this journey with us. And it's not always an easy journey uh, because our work at CASA is hard. We do work and, and meet children that may be in dark places. But we have learned that it is important to know about the challenges facing children and families to ensure that no child faces abuse, neglect, or trauma. And as you all know, that is exactly what this podcast is all about. Yes. And the dark places are sometimes not just what is happening externally, but what is going on internally inside of a child's mind. How do you help a child whose battle is inside their head? This is a tough one. It is. Um, And we are posing this question today because we want to draw attention to these struggles. And this is a great time to do it because it is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. Mental health concerns were actually cited in 62% of our CASA cases last year. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely a prevalent issue. Challenge. It's a real challenge for families when a parent struggles with severe anxiety, depression, or other mental illnesses. Um, But today we're not going to focus on parental issues. We're going to talk more about children with mental health challenges. And this is a subject that is very near and dear to our hearts at CASA and the work that we do. It is. And it makes me think of a recent CASA case with a teenage girl that I'm going to call Bree. Uh, Bree found herself involved in the court system for truancy, which is related to neglect. Mm -hmm. And that's why CASA was appointed. Um, But it didn't take long for Bree's CASA volunteer to realize that the root of her missing school was severe anxiety. Bree had lived through a sexual assault and was now scared to death mm. to return to school. Right, and and a lot of times what we learn with truancy is that there is usually a very significant underlying issue. And so in this case, Bree had a horribly traumatic experience that was the root of that anxiety. And so, you know, my, my heart certainly goes out to her for... Um, you know, I, yeah. having been a victim. Um, but I also want to pause here to point out that children can struggle with mental illness, even if they have that perfectly wonderful childhood. Right. Um, you know, it's not always rooted in some severe trauma. Um, I mean, it can be biological. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we're, we are, you know, can be genetically predisposed to mental illness as well. Yeah, yeah. Let me throw a few stats your way. Um I was researching this recently, mm-hmm. and there are four and a half million children in the United States diagnosed and living with anxiety. That is a lot. It is a lot. And the rate of mental illness is significantly higher for adolescents mm-hmm. and young adults than for adults. So for adolescents, it's up to 50%, and for young adults, it's 30%. Yeah, this is a, a major crisis that we're seeing for for children and teens right now, and so many are really struggling. Um, Some of the struggles that we most often see are anxiety, depression, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, right? PTSD. Right, right. Um, We're going to focus today on anxiety because it is the most common mm -hmm. mental health concern for children. Yeah. And, you know, there are so many areas where anxiety can grow. 
So there's what we call, like, you know, just sort of generalized anxiety when a child is just generally anxious, but it can present as like a specific phobia mm-hmm. or a social anxiety, or they're really having a lot of panic attacks or panic disorders. Um, I mean, th- this is real for, for students right now and kids that pressures from school to perform at that highest level. Right. right? Um, I have to be the best at, at this. I have to be the best to go to this school. And it's just constant, constant. pressure. Um, how about pressures from social media? Right. Know, to, to look a certain way or, you know, are we measuring popularity due to, you know, the number of followers or likes that we have, right? All of this feeds anxiety in this kind of generalized way. Yes. And these are all things that adults struggle with Mm -hmm. feeling anxious about. So you can only imagine the pressures on the children. Um, And what's interesting to me is how differently children can act when they're battling anxiety. Some are kind of quiet and well-behaved and they, they go unnoticed. And others cope with their anxiety with what we would call disruptive behaviors. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think if either either way for, you know, how, how children act, I mean, anxiety can be overlooked somewhere. Let's use an example of a school setting because, mm-hmm. you know, I think what happens is children – because our, our teachers and our school personnel are so busy right. every day, but they kind of get lumped into the good student or the bad student categories, right? And and but there is so much more than this very simplistic categorization. Um, but because there's everything in between for those that really struggle with what we might call like episodic anxiety. Yeah, and I I know kids who go to both extremes, but the shared root cause is anxiety. Right. And, you know, our CASA volunteers are often interacting with children dealing with this level of anxiety. And even if they don't have a formal diagnosis, you know, they're really likely feeling anxious in the moment because, you know, they're in the court system, their family's in the court system. And so they're really trying to process whatever trauma that they have experienced. That's so right. So let's walk through a few suggestions that we have found on ways to best support a child with anxiety. And many of the suggestions we're going to share today come from an article written by Dr. Goldstein and posted on the Child Mind Institute site. And I assume we'll we'll put a link in the article, right? Sure. For the show notes. I think that might be helpful. Yeah, yeah. And this particular article stood out to me because the subheading reads, quote, respect feelings without empowering fears. And that sums up exactly what we need to learn to do for our children. Yeah, but that is a a hard balance to to strike sometimes. Oh, it so is because you want to show empathy, Mm -hmm. but you don't want to fuel fears. Right. And and so we have to find a balance, which let's all say and acknowledge that can be very hard, but we have to – you know, recognize that we also just can't magically take away a child's anxiety as much as we want to. I wish we could. (laughs) I know. I know. Um, And so our goal, wherever possible, should be to help a child really deal with their anxiety or whatever situation is causing, you know, that angst and help them work through that. Right. If we somehow remove them from the stressful situation, it's not helping them learn to cope. And it could long-term really feed their fears instead of eliminating them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we really want to set up children for long-term success. Right. 
And sometimes, you know, they have to learn how to tolerate anxiety and function even when they're feeling stressed. And the only way to do that is really in the situation that gives them that anxiety. Right. Um, because that's how we have to move them through it. Mm -hmm. um, so there are many tools that we see being used to teach children um, to help kind of move through anxiety, breathing techniques. Physical activity is always great. Um, you know, mental games, uh, but so, so much more. Yeah. But again, it is easier said than done because it's so difficult to see a child struggle. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is not what we want to see. Um, but, you know, it's a necessary struggle, I think, um, to help them, like we said, move through. But so that's then our second tip is to is to help them build up their confidence while they're in the midst of that struggle. Right. So we can't promise things that are out of our control, right? Hey, don't worry. It'll be a good day. Right. Nothing bad will happen. Or I'm sure you'll get an A on that test. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't promise those kinds of things, but we can promise that we're thinking of them, that we believe in them, that we're confident that they can get through whatever struggle or anxiety they're dealing with. Yes, and, and confidence can be contagious. Right. So if we as adults are confident, mm -hmm. um, children can also start to become more confident in their own abilities to handle those stressors. For sure. And so our third tip ties into this because it's to avoid, as adults, communicating in a way that would feed their fears. Oh, this this is like my <laughs> where I get excited because this <laughs> this kind of taps into some uh, some legal um, legal stuff here. So so we might call that leading questions, and so we really want to avoid those. Right. So we might slip into saying things like. Are you feeling anxious about seeing your doctor today? Mm-hmm. Now, well, what if the child was having a perfectly good day, wasn't feeling anxious? Until you brought it up. But now I've planted <laughs> that seed right. that perhaps they should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in this case, the answer to that question, are you feeling anxious about seeing your doctor today, is really just a yes or no. Mm-hmm. Well, we hope that they say no, but... If they answered yes, they may completely shut down and withdraw. And then our attempts to try to follow up really won't do much good either. Right, because they're shut down at that point. Correct. So compare that to a slightly different way of asking in what we would call an open-ended question. Maybe something like, how are you feeling about going to the doctor today? Yeah, and our tone and our body language play into this too. We have to check ourselves. I know I have to check myself, mm -hmm. right? Are we communicating in a way that makes a child feel like they should be anxious mm -hmm. or makes them feel like there is something to be anxious about? Obviously, doing so is not helpful. Right. And I mean, I think we, we I think, have the best of intentions, but we really um, don't want to create anxiety where it doesn't even exist. Right. Okay. So to recap, our three tips are to number one. Teach a child to cope with, not completely avoid, anxiety. Number two, build up a child's confidence so that they know they are capable of dealing with their anxiety. And number three, 
avoid communicating in a way that could fuel their fears. Mm -hmm. Maybe I might add a fourth tip, if helpful, but I think we we briefly touched on it, but kind of modeling ways of handling stress and anxiety. Um, Because here's the reality. Listeners, you know this. Stress is normal. We all have it in our lives. Consistent. We can't hide from it. And then juggling way too many things in our lives is becoming the norm. Right. But what we know is that children are sponges and they're always watching adults in their lives. And so how we react is so important because we can also pass or what we call transfer our own stress or anxieties that we're just feeling to them without even meaning to do so. Mm-hmm. But on the positive note, we can pass or transfer to them the positive ways that we deal with stress. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So going back to Bree's story, her CASA advocated for her to get the help she needed. Um, So the problem on the surface, right, the initial problem Mm -hmm. that was brought to court was missing school. But the root problem was really related to her mental health. Mm -hmm. And so Bree underwent a psych evaluation, which brought to light her severe anxiety. And this led to a team of professionals creating a treatment plan for Bree that included a combination of therapy and medication. And her CASA encouraged her to stay on track with the treatment plan. And her CASA put her in touch with a social worker who also helped her make a plan to meet her educational needs. And as of today, Bree's mental health is stabilized and she has her GED. Oh, I love that. Um, you know, and it was funny when you first started sharing the story, Kristen, I I was really hoping that we weren't going to hear that the adults in Bree's life were saying things, you know, like, why aren't you going to school? And you're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's just not helpful because she wasn't fine. And and what was going on was deep beneath the surface. And in this particular case, I'm so glad that she had this wonderful casa to speak up for her to help get, you know, the help that she needed to address the trauma that she experienced. Right. And this leads right into our call to action for the week. Listener, please, please remove the phrase, you're fine, from your vocabulary. On the surface, children struggling with mental health challenges may seem fine. The situation may look fine to you, but they definitely do not feel fine. And they need adults to see them and acknowledge that their struggle is real. And then talk to them and help them process their feelings so, you know, we can help them walk through it. Yep, because we all need someone to walk with us when we're having a difficult time. Thank you for listening to Vigilant Voices, Henrico Casa's new podcast. We have a vision for all children to live in safe, healthy homes. You can help us make that happen. Tell a friend about our podcast and find us on social media. I believe in a better day.